Father in heaven, Lord, we pray that as we spend these next few moments meditating and talking and discussing how to study the Bible, such an important subject, we ask, Lord, for your spirit to guide us. We ask, Lord, for your spirit to speak to each and every one of our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you may instill within each and every one of us a deeper desire to study your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How to study the Bible. You know, yesterday, the message that I gave in the morning was entitled, Watch. And I started the, the message and I said that today we live in a now generation and today we also live in a what other generation? Now, uh, maybe generation now, a Google generation. Meaning that we like to put a question in and we like an answer spat out right away. Unfortunately, when you come to studying the Bible, it's not quite as simple as Google. It's not just like, okay, look, here's how you study the Bible, just done. And God just gives you an answer like this, 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 and this, and this. When you're studying the Bible and when you're, you're committing to study the Bible, in a sense, you have to view it as you're in it for the long haul. That it may not just be a quick, snappy answer. You have a question, you study, you get the answer, you read a passage of Scripture. Oh, let me read John chapter 5. Oh, boom, there we go. I understand the whole thing. Done. Let me go to John chapter 6. It's not always as straightforward as simple as that. Studying the Bible is different. You have to kind of view it as a long haul that God may teach you over a period of hours, maybe weeks, maybe even months on a particular passage. And the way that we study the Bible is not the same way that we would study Shakespeare. It's not the same way that we would study a history book in your school. It's not the same way you would just study for a mathematic exam where you get the formula and now you can do it, done, answer, move on. It's a little bit different. So we're gonna be, I'm going to be sharing some principles of Bible study. What, why, how, which is the most important word? Why? Who? <laughs> what? I think God is more, more interested often in teaching us the whys and the hows than he's always in giving us the whats. Sometimes we just want the what. And God wants to teach us how, he wants to teach us why. Hence, how to study the, the Bible. Don't worry, I am not checking my email. I just learned I can control my slide presentation from my phone. So please don't get distracted and think I'm like sending text messages to my family. <laughs> now I can go like this, next slide. I thought it was pretty cool, I found out yesterday. Anyway, are you ready? Isaiah 29 verse nine and 10, what does the Bible say here? It says, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand Doctrine, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and what? So who is going to be taught? What does the Bible say? Those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the? Those that, aren't used to, those that are no longer depending upon somebody else to be fed, but those that can now feed themselves will be those that God is able to? teach. 
We need to pray that we're in a spiritual condition, that we're not always depending on other people for our spiritual nourishment and strength, but we are moving on. And that's why I believe you've come here to this workshop to find out how you can feed yourself, that all your spiritual food does not come to you via listening to a sermon you hear someone else preach. But now you want to be able to dig for yourself and find some of the answers for yourself. Notice what... um, uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 10 says, it says, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall do what? None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall do what? Understand. Those that God is able to teach are those that have been weaned or drawn away from human dependence for their spiritual food. Those, the Bible says, are those who are wise. So as we approach the Bible, as we, we sit down, as we get ready to study the Bible, what should our mindset be as we are approaching and studying the Bible? Ezra chapter 7, <coughs> excuse me, and verse 10. The Bible tells us Ezra did certain things. before says he did this. For Ezra had, number one, prepared his heart to do what? To seek the law of God and to do it and to... Teach. What are the key words in that, in that verse, would you say? Prepare. Second one I'd say would be seek. The third word that is a key word in that, in that verse is do. And the fourth key word is to teach. He prepared his heart to seek. Then he wanted to do it. Then he wanted to teach it. Four steps from that one verse. Four principles you can glean that we can apply in our Bible study. As we opening the Bible to study it, we need to prepare our hearts that as we seek God's law and what is found in the scriptures, we are not just doing it for theoretical understanding to know something clever, but we're studying the Bible so that we can also then do what we study And not only just so that we can do it and so we can know it for ourselves, but the final step is a key one, that we can also teach other people. It is by teaching other people that you really learn things the best for yourselves. You've heard that you learn, you remember, I forget exactly. It's five or 10% of what you hear, roughly. That's all you remember. Eight, just around there, six, seven. If you teach somebody, though, the percentage goes up to like 60 or 70%. You remember what you've taught, about 60%. What you hear, five or 6%. One of the best ways to study the Bible, to learn the Bible, to know the Bible, the final step is to teach it. So, studying the Bible. You know, how we study the Bible is very, very important. Wrong method of studying the Bible gives us wrong conclusions. If we have a wrong method, we're going to have wrong conclusions, and we're going to have inconsistencies as we study the Bible. Is the Bible inspired by God, yes or no? If the Bible is inspired by God, should it therefore be consistent, yes or no? Should be consistent. If we're studying the Bible and we come to inconsistent conclusions, 
We do not conclude that the Bible is not inspired. What I would suggest to you is if you come to inconsistent conclusions in your study, maybe the methods you're using for your study are not correct or consistent with each other. Hence, you're kind of firing in the wrong direction. So, a fancy word for the study of the Bible, methodology, hermeneutics. Maybe you heard people talk about that word before. It's just a fancy word for methodology. Hermeneutics, the hermeneutics, how to study the Bible. The study of the methodology, definition of interpreting the Holy Scriptures. In short, you could say it's the science and art of the correct interpretation of the Bible. Two. The basic task when you're studying the Bible is to do two things. Number one, to determine what God said in the Holy Scriptures. And number two, to go on from that, what it means for us today. What did God say? What does it mean for me today? Two basic overreaching questions that you have as you're studying the Bible. So as we look at with that in mind, hermeneutics, the study of the methodology of interpreting Scripture, five basic principles for approaching the Bible and understanding it as a book that we are to study. Number one, turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and then we're going to go over to 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. The first principle of <coughs> hermeneutics is that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. First Thessalonians 2.13, the Bible says, For this cause also we, sorry, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Why? Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of who? Men, but as it is in truth, the word of who? The word of God. Bible says it's not the word of men, but it is the word of? It's the word of God. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 13. The Bible says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing of whom you have learned them. And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are, the Bible says, able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. First point, the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. It says it's not the word of men, it's the word of God. The Bible tells us how much of scripture is inspired? All scripture, leading us to point number two, and that the 66 books of the Bible, when we're studying it, they are a whole. We don't pick and choose what we study as we study the Bible. In other words, like, I'm just going to study the New Testament. I'm not going to study the Old Testament. Some people say that. I just want to study the Gospels because that's, that's the words of Jesus. Mm -mm. The Bible is the inspired word of God. First, is it First Peter, Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 19? 
tells us the prophecy did not come in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's the inspired word of God. They form an indivisible whole, the Old and New Testament together. We can't separate the two. A few basic facts for you may have heard about the Bible. There's 66 books, as you can see. How many authors in the Bible? 40. How many languages was the Bible written in? Three. Which are they? Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. How many continents was the Bible written on? Not two. Three. Africa, Asia, Europe. Three continents, three languages, 40 authors, 66 books, over a time period of 1,500 years. Writing about a common theme that goes throughout the Bible. Creation, fall, redemption, salvation, for all. Writing on probably the most controversial subjects you can ever have at all, and you find they all agree with each other. Authors that have never met before. That's kind of a side note into why I believe, you know, side note as to why the Bible is inspired. When you have such unity, admit such diversity. Point number three, the Bible is both Christocentric and theocentric. Throughout the Bible, God's character is revealed through Jesus Christ, throughout the whole of Scripture. The character of God revealed throughout the character of Jesus Christ is the underlying theme of all Scripture. Turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 39. John 5 verse 39. The Bible says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have what? Eternal life, and they are they which testify of who? Testify of me. The Bible teaches us about God through the life of Jesus Christ as he interacts with God's people. It's an underlying theme throughout scripture that you find throughout all the different authors, all the different books as you go through them. Point number four. The Bible is understandable. As we study the Bible, we take the Bible to be literal, understandable, except when the context may be symbolic, may be parables, where the context demands otherwise. The Bible we take as literal. We read it as it says. We take it to be God's word to us. When you read about Noah's flood, not Noah's flood, the flood with Noah, you take that as literal, you understand? What the Bible says, you take it as a literal flood. The context suggests that. And only when the context seems otherwise, maybe when you're reading in the books of Daniel or Revelation, where you read about beasts, and then Daniel himself says, well, the beast is a kingdom, would you read it not literally, but you would read it symbolically? Or were you reading maybe a parable? 
And it's clear that you know, it's a parable. It's, it's not a, a literal story. For example, Luke chapter 16, when you're reading maybe about the rich man and Lazarus, and you've got a man in hell and a man in heaven, and the man in heaven is talking to the man in hell. It, it doesn't seem literal, you understand? It's a parable. So we must understand and recognize that, you know, the Bible's understandable. We take it as literal. We take it as God's word to us, unless when the context demands otherwise. The fifth point is a very important point, and is this, that there must be a willingness to heed and obey what you understand and what you study. God will only show you so much if you're refusing to obey what he's showing you. Why would God bestow light upon light upon light upon light upon light on you if you're just rejecting, rejecting, and not following the way he's teaching you? Doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't make any sense. You get as you obey, as you follow, and also, I, I believe, you get more as you share more. You get more as you share more. In that, if you're not sharing, why would God give you more? Just so you can get fat spiritually and constipated? <laughs> Spiritual constipation? You know, maybe sometimes you feel like that. You learn all this stuff, you don't share it with anyone. It doesn't do you... Doesn't do you any good. So a key point. The Bible was given by the inspiration of the Spirit, and the Bible must be interpreted under the direction of the Spirit as well. As you're studying the Bible, it was given by the Holy Spirit to the men that wrote it, and as we study what the men wrote, we do so under the direction of the Holy Spirit as we, as we, uh, as we do that. It's important to remember as we study the Bible, I'm not going to touch on this specifically because you know, we only have two workshops, so there's not time to go into all the different things, in that God has given to us as Adventists, I believe, certain themes in the Scriptures that we must keep in mind as we are studying the Bible. Certain greater and grander themes that you find throughout the whole of Scriptures that we as Adventists need to keep in mind as we are studying the Bible as we're going through. For example, the theme about the, well, can you give me one? A theme that you find prevalent throughout Scripture that is kind of unique in some ways in our understanding of the Scriptures. The sanctuary. Taj was talking about that quite a lot, I believe, over the weekend. The sanctuary is a theme throughout Scriptures, and I believe God has given to us as Adventists an understanding of the sanctuary, and we can see it throughout Scriptures, and it helps us to understand, particularly as you're reading the prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation. The sanctuary helps you date certain prophecies. It's a, great, it's a grand theme to keep in mind. You know, for example, when you read in Revelation and you see Daniel, no, John in vision and you see, the, you see the Ark of the Covenant, time frame, it helps you know in time frame where in human history that he is talking about. Another grand theme that we, we understand as Seventh-day Adventists is the theme of the great controversy, which a lot of Christian denominations don't really have a correct understanding of. These are themes that you kind of overreaching themes as you're studying the Bible, keep in mind. As you study the prophecies, there's another, you know, other themes of the, the covenants and Israel and so on and so on and so forth. Important to keep in mind. John 7 verse 17, promises for Bible study. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. If you have a willingness to study, if you have a willingness to follow what God is teaching you, then you will know of the doctrine. Whether it will be of God or whether I speak of it myself. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 
16 to 19 says this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of God which passes knowledge. A question to ask though as you're studying the Bible is what is the purpose of your Bible study? What is the purpose in the context? Like what's the, the time that you're studying? I, yeah. I'm looking at time frame and so on. Are you studying for your devotions? Is that what you're studying for? Is that the time that you're studying? Is that the only time you study? Is the only time you study the Bible in the morning when you have your devotions? Maybe, maybe not. Are you just doing devotional readings? Are you doing a thematic study in your devotion? Is it studying for general biblical knowledge that you're, it's not your devotional time, but you're setting aside an hour of the day that you want to study, say, for example, I want to understand the, the, the new covenant and the old covenant. And if you're studying that, Spending time doing that. Are you studying, I put their study for apologetics in the sense that apologetics means defending the faith. Are you studying just to kind of answer a particular objection that someone has given to you? You may not be doing that in your devotional time. You're not spending your devotions trying to defend how you can defend the seeker rapture theory, maybe. But maybe you're doing it sometime else in the day. In my mind, at least for me, it helps that I kind of divide my time up and I don't mix the different times. Another one, if you're maybe preaching as well, are you studying for sermon preparation? At least for me, I don't like to mix my sermon preparation time with my devotional time. It just doesn't go well. I like to keep my devotional time separate. That's devotional time, me and God, just devotionals kind of looking at my own spiritual life, studying there. Sermon preparation, keep it separate, keep it something different. If your devotions is your sermon preparation, then I would suggest to you that you need to rethink how you're studying the Bible. And not use your, 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 your devotional time for sermon preparation, because you might be spending your whole of your devotion time talking about how you're going to talk to other people, not how God wants to talk to you. Now, you can use your devotional time to help you, say, in your sermon preparation or other Bible study, the way I do it is this. If I'm reading my devotions and I'm studying something and like the Holy Spirit drops a thought in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. What I'll do, I kind of write a note. In fact, on my computer, I have like a little sticky note section, sermons to prepare. And I just type a note. Point to reference, to know to come back to that subject, that thought, that idea at a later time when I may be setting aside a time for my sermon preparation or for other Bible study. But know in your mind the difference between the, you know, the different types of Bible study, so the different times of Bible study. That you're not mixing in devotions with, you know, studying how you can answer your friends in school about creation and evolution, or about this and that. But you're keeping the different times separate, and so on. Now, I did say I wanted to look at devotional time because I believe that devotional time is one of the foundations of Bible study. 
It's the foundation of our spiritual life. It's the foundation of our, our work with the Lord. And I believe a healthy devotional life, a healthy Bible study and devotional life leads us to healthy Christian life, healthy Bible study all around. I don't want to assume that everyone here is having devotions every day or is not having devotions every day. Everyone here is having a vibrant devotional life or is struggling in their devotional life. But what I'm going to do is share a few points because I believe as we look at these general principles for Bible study, a few things to help out in your Bible study starting at the beginning of the day. Second one I'm going to look at about you know, five or six steps in Bible study as you approach a particular passage, and we're going to look at a particular passage and see how we approach that in a six or seven step process. But I want to, at this time, kind of look at foundational time, devotional time for the last 15 minutes of this presentation or so. A few pointers that I believe will help you, give you extra time, uh, sorry, not extra time, but give you more meaningful time as you, as you spend. Devotional time is important. Point number one, select a specific time. You often hear people say the morning is a good time. I believe it is. Steps to Christ, page 80 says, consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Now, maybe if you're a night shift worker and you work night shifts, then maybe the morning's not the best time. And you kind of figure another time out. I used to work nights all the time and morning time didn't work for devotion because you come off shift and you're just like zonked after a 12-hour shift in the hospital. And for me, I had to kind of rework it and do it some other time. But, you know, find the best time for you. And whatever time you do get, stick to it. Find the best time, stick to it. And the key thing for devotions is this, don't clock watch. Sometimes I've heard preachers say, everyone stand up if you want to commit to make an hour of devotion. And everyone stands. And I wonder if everyone does have an hour of devotion the next week. The key thing in devotion is not, and Bible study is not your quantity of the time you spend, but it is the quality. It's the quality. Pick a time, pick a place. Choose a special place. Where did Jesus go? He often went to Mountain of Olives. That's where he often went. You know, if you choose a special place, not just for your devotion, for your Bible study, you know, the, the, the mind sometimes builds up, as you see, necessary emotional, psychological, and spiritual cues. You associate certain things with certain places. You always study your Bible in your office. You always study the Bible in your bedroom. You always study your Bible here or there. As you get, get ready for your devotions, as you get ready for your Bible study time, gather the resources that you need prior to doing it. A Bible, a notebook. A songbook, if you can sing, or even if you can't sing, you're singing to yourself, you're singing to God to sing anyway. An inspirational book, study materials. Gather these things prior to you. So as you're doing your devotions, as you're doing your Bible study, these are general principles, you're not running around looking for all these things. Every time you have to go and look for something, it kind of detracts the mind. Distracts the mind. Have all those things kind of there ready with you. And then follow a simple plan. You don't have to do this. This is a suggestion. And I believe you are, this, is the, this is the principle you use in Bible study, devotions, as you're approaching the Bible. As you open the Bible, as you read it, first step is to pause. Slow down. To allow God to speak to your heart. It's not just like, let me just open the Bible. Just, 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 done. Got my 10 minutes in today. 
open. Just pause for a moment. Get in a spiritual frame of mind as you approach the Bible. Allow God to speak to your heart. And then read. Read carefully, looking to see what God is saying to you. And if you are reading through a particular book, begin where you left off the day before. Maybe backtrack a few verses or a few bits to kind of overlap and then, and then go on. So you read, you pause, read. Point number five, three, sorry, I can't count. Reflect. Pause, read, reflect. What does the text mean to you? What's the thought? What's the idea? What's God talking to you about? Pause, read, reflect. The fifth step, apply. Pause, read, reflect, apply. How does it apply to your life? Maybe write down particularly what it means to you. And then pray. Talk to God about what you've read and its impact. This is just a a simple five-step approach that I found in devotion helps me out. Pause, read, reflect, apply, pray. It's given me, gives you more structure. Other practical, practical suggestions. You may want to work through the Bible book by book if you're ambitious. Let me go through from Genesis, clean through to Revelation. You can do that. You can have those yearly reading plans that focus on several chapters per day. It's okay. Maybe you want to go slower though. Maybe you want to do your devotions by topic, prayer, or faith. So you get a concordance and you look at the word faith and you go to every single text that looks at faith. Maybe. Heaven. I've put there, create your own devotional concordance. As you're going through the Bible, as you're, you're studying these things, you kind of bring up your own concordance of the passages of Scripture and these various topics and what they mean to you. It's your own thing. It has, in a sense, more meaning than just getting the strongs one off the shelf. Another practical suggestion as you're studying the Bible for your devotions is to do an author search. Maybe I'm going to study the books that John has written. Which are the books that John has written? John, 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 John. Revelation. Let me study the books of John. Or Paul. You'll be a long time if you're studying Paul. <laughs> you got Romans, Corinthians, Corinthians, Galatians, and so on. Or Luke. Study Luke, and I'm going to study Acts, one author. Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, or David's books. Or maybe you're going to study Bible stories and look at the parallels between the different writers. For example, in the Gospels, let me look at the account of, uh, uh, of, the, um, of the crucifixion in Matthew. Then look at the account of the crucifixion in Mark. Then the account of the crucifixion in Luke. And you notice differences between, you notice similar themes between. Or maybe you look at the books of Kings and Chronicles and you're seeing, as you're looking through Kings and Chronicles, different stories that are started here and finished here. Started in this one, finished in this one. And you read as you go through. It can be interesting. Just a practical suggestions. Now, what about certain problems that you will face as you do your devotion? Number one problem of devotional life is a problem of discipline. How do you help that? Don't stay up late. Easier said than done. How many of you ever prayed to God to wake you up in the morning so you can study the Bible? How many of you got up? Yeah? How many of you have prayed to God to wake you up and then you didn't get up? How many felt guilty? <laughs> like, oh no. Pray the Lord to wake you up and he woke you up at five o'clock, fresh and bright. You're like, let me get five more minutes sleep and you wake up again at eight o'clock. 
Pray to God to wake you up, and oftentimes he will. Have a prayer partner call you. And I find point number six, get up straight away, is the best one. Just get right out of bed. Get up when you can. Psalm 50, verse 1 to 3. Problem of distractions. Get out of bed. I've tried it. I never really succeed. I've never really succeeded having my devotions in bed. I'm looking at your faces. I'm thinking some of you have tried as well. <laughs> I'm going to stay in bed. I'm going to roll over and pray on my pillow. <laughs> pray for an hour. But I've only prayed for two minutes. Get out of bed. It's always best to get out of bed. If you can't stay awake, then just open your eyes while you're praying. Nothing sacred about closing your eyes. If you can't stay awake, then open your eyes. Keep a journal. Pray about the thing that's distracting you. And guard your devotional time. These things can kill your devotional time. Don't check your email before you do devotions. Or Facebook. Checking your notifications to see you commented on your pictures before your devotion. You know? Wait afterwards. The notification will still be there. It's not going anywhere. You know? If the mind wanders, we must bring it back by persevering effort. Habit will finally make it what? Easy. The problem of dryness. Disobedience to God can be a problem of dryness. You're openly going against God. Rushing your quiet time. It's like, I've got to get in. I've got to get it in. I've got to get it in. The key is your quality, not your quantity. Getting into a rut, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe your prayer life is the same thing over and over again, and your prayers are boring you out. Not sharing your insights with others is a key. Remember? If you don't share something, you, you lose it. Hidden sin in your life. Another problem can be the problem of diligence. Make a covenant or vow with God as you're approaching your devotions, as you're approaching your Bible study. That is a realistic one. If you can only afford 20 minutes in the morning before you go to work, then make that covenant or vow and stick to that. If you can only make 10 minutes, if you can make 30 minutes, whatever it is, but stick to whatever you vow. Schedule it on your daily planner. Be prepared to face Satan's excuses because he'll do everything he can to distract you from Bible study, to distract you from your devotion, to distract you from that walk with the Lord. If need be, leave your Bible open in the morning. Well, I'm going to study. Here we have Jeremiah 39. I'm going to study Jeremiah chapter 39. Leave it open there, right by your bed, ready to wake up and have your devotion not in your bed, but there in Jeremiah 39. A couple of things to remember. It takes about three weeks for you to become familiar with a new task. About another three weeks before it becomes a comfortable habit. And I've added this one in there as well. It takes about another three years before it becomes a way of life, part of your culture, and that you just do it instinctively. Some of the people say it takes three weeks to get a habit. It takes longer than that before it becomes just like you. Stick to it. Stick to it. As you're studying, as you're going through, you know, 
studying the Bible. Galatians 6 verse 9 tells us, and let it not be weary, let, that's wrong. Let us not be weary in what? Well doing, for in due season we shall what? Reap if we faint not. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Don't expect to sow a whole lot of information, a whole lot of spiritual life if you're not reaping much, if you're not reaping much. I put that there, but I've already mentioned that point. Keep a notepad or jot down ideas that you want to study at depth later or develop into a sermon at a later time. That you're not kind of mixing your time up, your devotional time, you're spending that with the Lord, you're spending that systematically, your quality time, not quantity time. You're reading, you're pausing, you're reflecting, you're going through the Bible step by step, maybe a particular theme, maybe a particular subject. And I believe as you approach your devotion, you know, make a commitment to God if you haven't been having devotion regularly, then next week, tomorrow morning, that you'll make that commitment to spend that time with the Lord the whole of next week and on. And as you continue to do it, I, find, I believe, I know you'll find that your spiritual life will grow, your understanding of the Scriptures will grow, your understanding of the themes of the Bible will grow as you spend that time with the Lord, particularly in the morning, particularly whenever that, that personal time is, you'll find your spiritual life just grows and grows and grows and grows. Stick to it. Jesus often spent time in prayer. We also should often spend our time in prayer and in Bible study. So here we've looked at devotions. We looked at a few principles. Our next presentation is going to be in about 15 minutes. We're going to close this one now. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the Bible which you have given to us, a book that can be studied, a book that can be understood, a book that you wish for us to spend time in, because as we study the Bible, it tells us of Jesus Christ. It reveals to us the character of God. We see the life of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us gathered here, Lord, that we would take that time to spend with you, and that our spiritual lives may not be stuck in a rut, but that they may be vibrant, they may be meaningful, and they may be personal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.